Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're jumping into our team top tens all up at BaseballAmerica.com right now. And today we're happy to be joined by Josh Norris to discuss the Yankees top 10. The Yankees once again made the playoffs, but once again fell short, losing in five games in the division series to the Tampa Bay Rays after finishing second to the Rays in the AL East during the pandemic-shortened season. Josh has done the Yankees farm system for a long time now. He's got a tremendous top-to-bottom view of the Yankees. Josh, Jason Dominguez is the number one prospect in this system for the second straight year. He has yet to play a professional game, whereas we saw Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt, his main competition, make their major league debuts for the Yankees this year. What is it about Jason Dominguez that makes him the number one prospect in this system based on your conversations with evaluators inside and outside the Yankees system? I mean, he's got an extraordinarily high ceiling. And, you know, evaluators talk about this is the best guy I've seen in, you know, X amount of years. He could, you know, he's his got so many pluses on the card inside evaluators say it's you know top three guys they've ever scouted uh i think the other two are josh beckett and alex rodriguez you know it it was there was no competition for him at number one at no point did i ever think about putting david garcia or clark schmidt above them period it took no thought yeah i mean certainly sounds like a a tremendous talent we've seen some of the top international prospects in their class really become successful hits in recent years. Wander Franco and Julio Rodriguez are still in the minors, but they certainly have done a lot to impress evaluators so far. We talk about guys like Eloy Jimenez and Glaber Torres. For a while, the international market was kind of the Wild West, but we started to see the top player hit as much as a top draft pick does. And it does seem like there's a lot of confidence that Jason Dominguez will be one of those guys. Yeah, he absolutely should be one of those guys if and when we get to play again anytime soon. Um, he'll Well, since we're not going to have uh, Pulaski or Staten Island or any, any of those domestic teams, he's going to probably, I'd imagine, tune up a little bit in the GCL area and then move to low A, which is going to be at, where was it, uh, Tampa. So that would be because, you know, the Yankees did announce their minor league reclassification on Friday. So I'd imagine he's in the Tampa area for a while, uh, either at the Himes Complex or at George Steinbrenner Stadium. But uh, he's has every chance to be on a very fast track when we get going. You mentioned he's got five plus or better tools on the scouting card, as they say. He's very young. As we mentioned, he has yet to make his professional debut. He was born in February 2003. He just turned 17 this calendar year. He'll be 18 next year in spring training. Realistically, how fast can a kid like this move? I mean, there's so many different ways to look at it. You know, we've seen guys like Soto and Franco move extraordinarily quickly. And I think he had the chance to move like that. I mean, there, there are... Uh, problems, not problems, just um, extenuating circumstances surrounding COVID. You know, one of the things the Yankees said they wanted to see more from him was, you know, just they wanted to see how he did against breaking balls more often. And he just hasn't had a chance to face anything. It was really weird writing a number one capsule for a guy, you know, 500 words or whatever it was for a guy who, for all intents and purposes, didn't do anything this year outside of, you know, informal this and that in the DR. Um, and has no professional experience under his belt. 
Yeah, this is obviously uh, the most difficult year we've ever experienced when it comes to trying to evaluate prospects. And that's something we've heard from pro scouting directors, amateur scouting directors, GMs throughout the year that there's a lot of difficulty this year. But um, Dominguez obviously is, is someone with a tremendous ceiling. And as you mentioned, at no point in the process was it ever suggested to you that anyone else should be number one, which clearly says something because Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt moved relatively quickly and got to the major leagues. With these two, is this the second tier of the Yankees group? Was there anyone else in the debate for two or three, or was it just clearly these two? Those two. Uh, Garcia and Schmidt, you could kind of flop them back and forth, but ultimately I kind of looked at the idea that uh, Garcia was used in a starting role and was used more frequently than uh, Schmidt. And Schmidt was kind of here and there as a reliever. And obviously he's got a little less of a professional history than uh, Garcia does, but Garcia also performed pretty well uh, in the big leagues. And, you know, uh, it's a weird question, weird thing with, with Garcia, you know, he had a pretty good um, run in the big leagues, but the question with him always will be, was, will he be able to hold up to a big league starters rotate uh, workload? And even though he, didn't falter this year. It still didn't answer the question because that was not a big league starters workload. It was, it was not enough innings to graduate him from prospect status even, you know? So it, that question is going to still be there next year. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you, you could look at it both ways. I guess the Schmidt's arsenal is pretty interesting. I, it's one of those weird things where you hear that they're adding a four seam fastball to him, which you, you think everyone has. You think that would be, you know, comes with like a set of lungs and a and a heart and a four-seam fastball but no he was exclusively two-seam in college so they really had to give him a four-seamer so they could you know uh shape the fastball the way they wanted to with that ride and hop up in the zone um and then they pair it with that plus that dynamic curveball which everybody classifies as a slider but it's a curveball um and he's got weapons but there's some refinement needed to go yeah, with these two, again, you mentioned Garcia got the top nod, being the starter, being used more frequently for the Yankees this year. Realistically, what kind of players are we looking at with these two? Because we know the Yankees are going to need starting pitching and relatively soon if they want to take the next step. I mean, it's going to be – they're definitely going to need pitching. Right now they have um, uh, Tanaka as a free agent, Hap as a free agent, Paxton as a free agent. So you have Luis Severino at the top, um, uh, Garrett Cole, too. That, he's decent. Uh, <laughs> but behind him, you have not a whole lot uh, outside of, as far as tested and you know, majorly proven as concerned. These are guys who have mid-rotation ceilings, uh, more or less. They, they could fit. I, I don't think either of them are going to be top of the rotation pieces. But you, know, you could talk about three fours. Yeah, and every good team needs good number three or four starters. You know, Jordan Montgomery's still around, but um, you yeah, know, he had an too. ERA north of five last year, and he has Tommy John on his ledger. So there's no question they're going to need these two young pitchers to step up, and the sooner they can do it, the brighter the Yankees' outlook will be for postseason success. Josh, I felt like once you got into the middle of the system, this is where it got interesting. You mentioned Dominguez was the clear-cut number one. Garcia and Schmidt were the clear-cut two and three. Some people might flip the order, but they were two and three. How wide open was it here once you got four, five, six range? Well, let's, let's see. I mean, Wells was going to go in there, the, the catcher that they drafted this year out of Arizona, and they drafted as a high schooler too. 
you know, they really like the bat. There are questions in the industry about whether he's going to catch, but they'll give him every opportunity to catch. In in reality, he's going to be, you know, he's, his offense is going to be his calling card. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but then it's you know, just, just as it was last year. It was the, the pack of, you know, guys who were at low and high A last year who, you know, didn't do anything to um, tarnish their reputation at all. You know, Luis Heal was at the alternate site and performed pretty well. Luis Medina performed pretty well at the alternate site. You know, um, Alexander Vizcaino was interesting because he didn't have to be invited to the alternate site because he's not on the 40, uh, who, you know, showed up pretty well at the alternate site too. And he has a really interesting um, mix of an upper 90s fastball, mid to upper 90s fastball, and a a curveball that you are curveball change up that could be 70 or an 80 on the 2080 scouting scale. Those are two ridiculously good pitches. And if he, you know, shows some semblance of consistency with a breaking ball, you're, you're talking about something pretty special right there. Uh, Romancy Contreras was difficult. Um, he's just, I don't remember if I put him in the top 10 at this point. Um, he's he certainly was in contention, but he didn't get inv- invited to the alternate site. So you know, hard to hard to gauge what he did this year. They said his fastball was up a tick. Uh, a little bit of spring training that they had. Um, Yo, Andres Gomez is a guy who's always been one of my personal cheese balls to uh, use an old BA term. Um, it's a you know young projectable guy with you know the makings of a three or four pitch arsenal. Um, who's a lot to dream on, and they moved pretty aggressively last year. And we had a scouting report on him on the site somewhere during the shutdown. Our, one of our scout friends took a video look at him and, you know, said he you know, got pretty good upside for him too. Um, don't know who else I'm missing on there, but it's, you know, it's those a ball pitchers and the, and Wells more or less. Oh, uh, Oswald Peraza, the shortstop who a lot of people like, I mean, he's, he's, he's got a bit of growing to do and they worked to add more loft to his swing. So in, in their words, um, the line drives would go over the shortstop's head instead of into his glove. Um, talk about guys who produce max exit velocities of 110. Yeah, he's a guy who's going to be on people's radar and I assume would be brought up in a lot of trade conversations this offseason. Um, I think I touched on everybody in the 10 right there. Yeah, so with that, is it fair to say the 4 to 10 group, you can almost scramble it in any way or, or just, you know, it's all close at just least? Just about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember asking them last year, like, which order would you put Contreras and uh, Vizcayeno and Medina and Heal in? And, is the, and it's, they basically said, there's no wrong answer here. It's, you know, there's a lot of, none of these guys are wart-free players and they all have decent upsides. So it's, it's going to be a very interesting uh, year for them next year when they get to uh, high, <laughs> high A Hudson Valley and or double A Somerset. So given that all these guys are very, very close, they all have their strengths, they all have their warts, and for the most part, they're all guys who have played almost exclusively at the lower levels with one exception. What is it about Luis Heal that made him number four in this system? Just when you talk to outside scouting, there are yeah, pro scouting directors. They said you know he has the biggest upside. It's a big frame. The fastball is absolutely electric, and the off speeds flash most consistently. Sorry, as as well as command and control. You know, it's it's a very interesting uh, pitcher, and the frame is really good too. And the ease with which he he 
delivers that you know upper 90s to, to triple digit fastball is pretty special so most of these guys we mentioned are as we said all lower level guys the one exception is miguel yahure made his major league debut this year what about him stands out and realistically what are the yankees looking at with him here i mean it's a back of the rotation starter um he he got a lot better. He was one you were supposed to keep your eyes on. You know, he had TJ and he came back and it wasn't great, but the fastball kept creeping back. It's a really good changeup. There's a decent breaking ball in there. He's a hard worker. You know, he's also incredibly um, good makeup guy. You know, they, they just like him a lot. It's, it's an interesting guy who I think has a chance to be either uh, kind of a back end rotation piece or um, a nice piece to dangle in trade. Yeah, we saw he definitely missed some bats. Again, small sample size, but struck out eight batters in seven innings in his debut, only gave up three hits. The issue with walks, but again, a lot of young pitchers when they first come up, they're a little wild, trying to overthrow a little bit. So with all these high upside guys, we've got three guys here who reached the majors in this top 10 and seven almost exclusively lower level guys. How do you kind of stack this top 10 up compared to the rest of Major League Baseball? Because I feel like it's, it's a top 10 of extremes. Well, it's the same way I stack up the 30 in comparison with Major League Baseball, with the rest of baseball. It's, it's, it could break a lot of ways. Like, there's so much upside in this system. It's, you know, guys who are going to be in the 11 to 20 range, like Alexander Vargas, Kevin Alcantara, Anthony Volpe, who haven't done much outside of the complex, but were given you know big money and have had big upside, uh, either domestically or through international. But and this year was going to be a huge year for the system, it's because a those guys are so upsidey, and b they had installed a variety of new coaches and coordinators uh, throughout their system who were going to do things differently, I suppose, and they didn't really get a chance to do that this year. So. Uh, Next year, I guess, is a, you, know, you, you call this year a wash for anybody who didn't spend much time at the alternate site or didn't do much, you know, in general outside of Zoom coaching. And you hope for the best in 2021. But it's, you know, in five years, we could look back and say this system was incredible. We didn't just know it. We just didn't know it yet. Or we could say it didn't work out. I know that's, that's pretty much what you can say for a lot of teams, but there's a lot less safety in this system is, is, I guess, the best way to put it. Like the upper levels are not, you know, uh, chock full of guys uh, by and large. It's the lower levels where they had the concentration of their talent. You mentioned some of these other guys in the 11 to 20 range that could be high upside guys. How many other contenders were there for the top 10 or was this the clear top 10? It wasn't clear. I mean, it's, it's certainly not, I do the White Sox too. That's a pretty clear top nine. Uh, you know, 10 was a question. Um, keep your eyes on Baseball America for that. Um, you know, a guy like Kevin, like I said, mentioned Kevin Alcantara could have been in the mix. Anthony Volpe could have been in the mix. Alexander Vargas could have been in the mix. Uh, Kanan Smith is a sleeper. I don't know if he would have gotten to the top 10 because the, the reviews of his defense aren't great. Um, but he can hit. And if you, there, there are guys in the major leagues who, I don't have, aren't great defenders, but they can hit. Um, a lot of them. Yeah. So there's, there's some interesting guys in the system. Um, I think I wasn't going to move a whole lot of guys from last year unless, you know, they had severe injuries, whatever. But 
So this year it looks by and large the same as it did last year with a little bit of change. You know, Wells moved in, obviously. I flopped Garcia and um, Schmidt, uh, moved Volpe down. The, you know, uh, evaluators from the rest of baseball weren't as him as they were other players. Yahore uh, uh, showed another step forward this year in his progress. It's, it's going to be an interesting jumble from 11 through 30 and then the extra 10 guys we have um, to write this year for the book. Uh, no spoilers, but you're going to get a little bit more in the book than you usually do. Given how much volatility there is in this system and how many guys are in the lower levels, what effect do you think it will have on these players' progress, the fact the Yankees did not hold an instructional league this fall, one of only two teams to not do an instructs? It's going to be on them. It's going to be on the players to continue working at home and to continue doing Zoom with their coaches and to work out at their facilities to the best of their abilities uh, as far as whichever municipalities uh, are around. Um, but, you know, as one, other, one non-Yankees farm director mentioned to me early in this process, you can get better without playing the game. And that's what they're going to have to do. Well, we'll see if they're able to do it effectively. Josh, before we wrap up here, any final thoughts on this top 10 or the system as a whole? Not really. I think I, I laid it out uh, pretty well. Um, it's high upside, and we just need a minor league season next year to, to start you know, their progression back again. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned I, I think when I look at all the different farm systems in baseball, I think the Yankees are, are close to the top of the list of the teams where – Having a season would go a long, long, long way to help sort this out just because of how many guys don't have upper level experience or, you know, haven't proven themselves yet or are super toolsy, but have big adjustments to make. I'm going to be very, very curious to see a, what the minor league season in 2021 looks like and B how these Yankees players perform, especially after a year layoff with no instructs. I think that's going to be one of the interesting subplots of the 2021 minor league season for sure. Josh, thank you so, so much for joining us. We appreciate your time as always. Yep. See you on the White Sox one and the Giants one. All right, everybody. That'll do it for this edition of Baseball America Prospect Podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe.